Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Hello there mums and dads and mums and dads-to-be and even grandparents by the way. I've got quite a few grandparents that listen and they're like, oh my gosh, yes, preach Renee. Welcome everyone. It's so great to have you along. Uh, I'm not even going to do my usual little quote today because I have got so much to get through and so I'm going to start straight off the bat. I did not mean to do so many episodes of First Time Obedience but here we are on our third one. And your feedback has been literally overwhelming, the messages that I'm getting um, and your honesty too, you know, with the things that you're struggling with, with your children. And uh, I just want you to know I've been there. I've done that. I really do get it. I've got three kids, three very different personalities. You know, my first child, I was like, oh, tick, tick, parenting, you know, parenting award to me. Georgia was so easy. And then I had my second one and I was like, whoop, okay, this is going to be a challenge. So I, I really get it. It's not like I've had three, you know, easy children. Anyway, so go back. It's so important that you go back and check out the first two episodes on obedience. The first one, and it's all about first time obedience. The first one, I spelt out the why behind the what and why it's so important to teach our kids obedience and all about shaping their moral heart. And then last week we spoke about what first-time obedience looks like, uh, which I'll recap in a second. And then today, this is the big needing a drum roll. What do we do when our child does not obey us first time? Because let's be honest, it's probably more likely that they're going to disobey us or you know not obey us first time um, than do. And so, what do we what do we do? How do we approach this? Um, can I just say again? Guys, first-time obedience does work. Um, The funny thing is, though, there's nothing like a mum who gets triggered when they hear me say something that they don't like or they don't agree with, and usually it's because it's an ouch moment for for them because what happens is when we hear things like first-time obedience, it forces us to take responsibility. And this is probably the biggest thing I learned when I was first learning this concept And this was a hard pill to swallow. You know, that my child's behavior might be their own because of their childish behavior and, you know, the nature of children, but continued poor behavior, that's on me. That's on you, the mum, the dad, the parent. So guys, don't shoot me. I'm the messenger. Um, You know, you wait till I talk about teenagers. The same place I got this concept from, they, I remember reading in this book that if you have a rebellious teenager, that's your own fault. I remember feeling assaulted when I first heard that. I was like, are you kidding me? So if my kid rebels, that's my fault. But, you know, look, that's a whole other podcast. But these are big pills to swallow. But we have to swallow them and take responsibility. Because you know what? If you've got a child that's not sleeping, you've allowed that. You've not trained and taught them. If you've got a child having constant tantrums, you've allowed that. And whatever we allow will continue. It's not like we're forcing our kids to do these things, but if we don't shape and train them and these behaviors continue, then these things are our responsibility and our fault as the parent. And the quicker that we learn that and take responsibility for that and don't blame and get angry at someone else, the quicker that it's of benefit to you and particularly your child. 
So let's just go back over the concept of first-time obedience on on how to achieve that. And I think by now you'll be able to say it with me that it's when your child obeys you immediately, uh, fully, without challenge and without complaint. Now, last week I set out the four uh, simple steps on how to achieve it. It sounds really kind of rote, but um, let me know how you went with with practicing it. Uh, And the thing is though, The thing is with, I didn't say this last week, but I'm a teacher and I've been a teacher for 25 years and my, uh, my area, I guess, of expertise in teaching is actually prep. And I know how to teach children how to read. And the way that they learn to read is through a lot of very simple repetition. That's why nursery rhymes and rhyming works with children. It's repetition. So when you go through these four steps and you sound the same every time you ask your child for obedience, this is the way children learn. This is a good, um, healthy way for even though for us, it's like, oh my gosh, it sounds like I'm reading a script. Actually, this is the way kids learn through repetition and consistency. So remember, Number the four, firstly, to set out an expectation verbally. So what's about to happen and what you expect from them. Uh, and remember, I always threw in there and mummy expects first time obedience. So what is it that you want? Um, and what do you expect? For example, we're going to Aunty Jenny's house for dinner and I expect you to eat what's on your plate without complaining. Secondly, make sure you give them a time warning if needed. If they're in the middle of something, they're engrossed, they're concentrating, let them know, hey, sweetheart, in five minutes, I'm going to ask you to. Number three, remember to expect a response from them. You want to hear a verbal, yes, mom, yes, dad. And then finally, we praise them when they do what we've asked. We let them know what they did right. Um, Now, just before I go on about what about consequences when they don't, how do we handle this? Uh, Someone brought up um, during the week, and I thought this was a really great point. What's the line between nurture and obedience? Um, so she gave the example of, you know, like, what if you're, what if you've said to your child, you're not allowed out of bed, but what if your child has a dream and they're really, really scared. And so they come out of, you know, out of bed to, to come and tell you about their dream or, you know, because they're scared. So firstly, let me say that obedience is a part of nature, by the way, they're not separate. It's not one or the other. Okay. So you don't have to go, I'm not nurturing my child when I'm expecting obedience. Like if you are teaching them obedience, this is one of the best ways you can nurture them. So really the question is then not when, what's the difference between nurture and obedience? Cause there's not. The question is, when do I demand obedience? And when do I, when do I know that my child is truly struggling? Um, And I think you as a mom and a dad, you know that, you know the difference. You have to take each situation as it comes. If your child is truly scared, you know, uh, because they're having dreams or whatever, then falling asleep in your bed for that night, of course that's okay. Because you don't want to be so rigid with obedience that you're not taking the circumstance into heart. And remember, this is all about heart motive. Do you remember last week, uh, no, the first week, I talked about needing to know the difference between foolishness and childishness. So if it's foolishness, if it's willful disobedience, that's what you need to deal with. But if it's childishness, then that's different altogether. So if they're, they've had a bad dream, they're not being disobedient by coming out of bed. So I really don't think I need to explain that much more because I think you as a parent know the difference. Um, and how do you know when their childish behavior flips over to foolishness? Well, 
you know, it's pretty obvious really, because if you've got a kid that then all of a sudden they start to work out, oh, if I tell mum that I'm having a bad dream, I get to sleep in her bed every night. So if the behavior becomes a habit, then you need to deal with it. And again, it might not even be uh, that they're doing it out of disobedience. It could be that they truly are scared. But if that's become a habit, then you need to deal with the child's fear, for example. All right. So it's all about understanding the heart motive and, and shaping your child's heart. And also you get to decide what you want first time obedience on. So anything that you hear me say, um, you know, through my examples, these are my values. These are things that, that I expect, but you've got to decide what your values are. So if you don't mind your child sleeping in your bed, you know, co-sleeping, then that's not something that you're going to demand obedience on because you're okay with that. So you've just got to decide what your values are. Um, But remember what I said, you've got to think ahead, okay? Like when I taught my children that they couldn't just get out of bed whenever they wanted to, I'm really glad that I taught them that when I moved to Queensland because when we moved here, the sun started coming up at 4.30 in the morning. And the first few mornings, my kids came into my bedroom at 4.30 in the morning going, hi, mom, you know, it's morning, can we get up now? Um, and so of course, first time obedience had to come back in and I said to them, no, you can't get, get out of bed until, um, the clock says this time. And so it didn't take me long to train them to go back and sleep. Now, some people might go, oh, that's so mean. You should have just got up. Well, no, because my kids need more sleep than that. We're all going to be exhausted if they get up at 4.30. So anyway, I'm rambling. Let's keep going. Um, So let's look at what to do when your child doesn't obey first time. Just remember, don't give up, don't give in and remember the benefits, okay? And you're going to really need to remember the benefits when it comes to a child that is constantly willfully disobeying because you're going to need a lot of resolve to be consistent. So remember, first time obedience does break the cycle of frustration and yelling, which is so easy as a parent to slip into. First time obedience, it helps you to be calm. It helps you to be an in-command parent. Uh, And I know often for me, when I would start finding myself asking my kids to do things three or four times, then usually my yelling would start to escalate. And then I'd realize I've stopped expecting first time obedience. It is a kindness to expect first-time obedience because it stops your frustration, their frustration, and yelling um, because you've got a plan and you know what to do, and it's a simple plan, and it doesn't require yelling or nagging. So if that would happen, I would say to my kids, you know what? I'm not raising my voice. This is what I've asked. Now you have a choice. You can obey or you can disobey and take the consequence. And immediately it would de-escalate. So I, and I probably said out loud to them, I'm not raising my voice. I said it as much for me as I did to them, for them. I'm like reminding myself, remember, don't become the yelling, the yelling parent. All right. So you don't have to be frustrated anymore. All right. So what does disobedience look like? Remember, it's going to be one of those four. Um, It's either them not obeying you straight away or it's them not obeying you fully, or it's them obeying um, obeying you but challenging you on what you've asked, or they do it in a complaining manner. They're basically, the, that's what disobedience looks like. They don't obey you straight away. They don't obey your command fully, or they challenge you, or they complain. 
uh, a mum wrote in to me, this is really cute to say the other day, oh my gosh, I sat my girls down and I told them that we're going to do first time obedience. And I told them what it was. And the youngest one said to me, me, no obedience. And I had a good laugh and she had a good laugh, but actually that's disobedience right there because she was challenging her mum by saying, no, I'm not going to obey. So she verbally challenged her. So, so that needs a consequence straight away. So why do we need a consequence? Why is it important to put consequences in place? Let me give you a few reasons. It's teaching them that there is a right and there is a wrong, and it's preparing them for life. It is a kindness to teach your kids consequences, because if we don't teach them here at home, it's going to hit them really hard when they're at school and when they're out in the world. Um, you know, if you if you don't want to stop at a traffic light, sure, by all means, don't stop at a traffic light. But there's a consequence that you could get hurt or you could hurt someone else. You want to rock up to work late every day? That's fine. Go for it. But there's a consequence. Your boss isn't going to be happy. Um, you know, you might have a little preppy and they don't want to listen to the teacher and obey the teacher. Well, there's going to be a consequence at school and they're going to be dealt with at school. And so if we don't teach them that there's consequences, they get totally blindsided and shocked when they grow up. All right. So what do we do when a child doesn't obey immediately, fully, without challenge or without complaint. So again, I, there's uh, basically four things that we need to do. And the first one is this, you have to deal with it immediately. So every single time that your child disobeys you in some way, your instruction, you have to be immediate. It, every single time you let your child get away with it, They've won a battle and you've lost it and you've just eaten away at your authority as a parent and you've made it a little bit harder for yourself next time because they'll just keep pushing boundaries. So number one, deal with it immediately. Secondly, tell them what they did that was wrong and use those four steps. Pick which one it was. Did they did they not obey you immediately? Did they not obey you fully? Did they challenge you? Did they complain? So for example, you didn't obey mummy straight away. Okay. So you're telling them what they did, or you did not do what mummy asked. And by the way, don't say mummy if they're 10. I'm just imagining having little kids. Or you might say, no, you don't tell mummy no when she asks you to do something. Or if they've complained, you say, no, we don't complain. We don't throw ourselves on the floor when you're asked to do something. So you let them know what they've done wrong. Okay, so number one, deal immediately. Number two, tell them what they did wrong. Number three, this is important, you need to ask them, this is if they disobey first, um, like on, on the first instant, ask them for a sorry. Now, just like we asked them previously for a yes, mummy, now we're asking for a sorry, mum, sorry, dad. And you can teach this, by the way, even before they can talk. So, what I would always do is I'd make my child, I'd always say to them, look mummy in the eye. And um, I would like to hear a sorry, you need to say sorry to, to mummy. Now, if they can't actually talk yet, then it would be a kiss or it would be a cuddle. And what this does is it teaches them to have a soft heart for when they do something wrong. It teaches them to own it. It teaches them to take responsibility when they do something wrong. And then when they've said, sorry, I would always, you know, give them a kiss and a hug and say, that's okay. Then number four 
instruct them again with what you want them to do. All right. So they're the four, but don't worry, there's more coming. So firstly, deal with it immediately. Tell them what they did that was wrong. Ask them for a verbal sorry, and then instruct them again with what you want them to do, which is going back to the you know, the four steps that I taught the other day about setting out again, telling them verbally what you want, what you expect. Uh, I want first time obedience. I'd like a yes, mummy. So for example, this time, mummy would like you to go and pack up straight away. Uh, and I want you to obey first time. Yes, mummy. Or, you know, it might be this time I'd like you to go and brush your teeth without complaining. Yes, mum. Uh, this time when mum says it's time to get in our pram, we do so straight away. Yes, mum. So you're asking again for that verbal response. So really, this is the first kind of warning if they disobey. Okay, so this is just a very quick consequence. It's a verbal sorry. Um, so let me put these steps to action. So for example, I ask Liam to pack up his toys and he doesn't move. He just sits there and he keeps playing. So what do I do? Firstly, I deal with it immediately. Liam, mummy told you to pack up your toys and you didn't do it straight away. So I'm telling him what he did wrong. Come here, please. Look mummy in the eye. Now say, sorry, mummy. And again, if he was really little, it would be a kiss or a cuddle. Okay. That's okay. Now, and then re-instruct. Now, I want you to go and pack up your toys, and this time, mummy wants you to obey first time. Yes, mum, and off you go. Or you might have told Sarah, don't touch the Christmas tree, and she does. So it's Sarah, mummy told you not to touch the Christmas tree, and you did. Come here, please. I'd like a sorry, mummy. All right, that's okay. Now you can go and play but don't expect the uh, don't touch the christmas tree and i expect you to obey first time yes mummy sounds really simple but what if the child continues to disobey you this is where it's crucial that you follow through and be consistent now this is exhausting at first but if you don't your child will win the battle and if you lose too many of these you don't want to lose the war if you can't get control of them when they're younger you're going to have trouble when you could have trouble when they're older so this is where further consequence comes in okay and this can happen if it's a second offense or a third or a fourth or a fifth, or believe me, I had many times where there was 10 times in a row. So work out ahead of time the kind of consequence that you're going to use, and that's up to you. I'll talk about a few of those in a moment. But let me say that the consequence needs to be immediate, simple, and age appropriate. Don't throw a consequence at them that's way too far down the track, that's too complicated, that you're not going to follow through on. If you do that, I'm not going to give you dessert tonight. Well, tonight's hours away. The kid doesn't care about dessert tonight. You know, so the consequence has to be immediate, simple, and age appropriate. How do we work out what consequence? It's different for every child. You need to work out what means the most to your child. For some, that would be time out. For some, it might have been, you know, a, a, a little smack, which, oh, hello, whole podcast on that, because there's a right and a wrong way to do that. Um, it might be to take something away from them. Um, because what they do, they need to feel the heat straight away. Don't threaten them with something that's that's hours away. So I used to use timeout a lot uh, because my kids, particularly the one I had the most trouble with, he didn't like missing out on the action. So let me give you a few hints around timeout on how to make this work. 
Um, pick out, use the same amount of time as how old they are. So if they're three, it's three minutes. If they're five, it's five minutes. If it's seven, it's seven minutes. That's a really good rule of thumb of how long they should be in timeout. Use a timer. I used to use my microwave so that I would stick to it so I wouldn't leave my child in there for like 20 minutes instead of four minutes. Um, and then uh, pick the same place every time. So for me, I just used to put them in their bedroom on their bed. And if they come out early, the timer starts all over again. Now, if this is a new concept for your child, you might find that you are spending half a day putting them back in timeout. But let me tell you, you've got to do it. You've got to be consistent. If they come out early without you going in there, then you go, you, you start the timer again. All right. So Let's look at what we do if they obey a second, disobey a second or a third or a fourth or a fifth time. So again, we deal with it immediately. Number one, that's exactly the same. Number two is exactly the same. We tell them what they did wrong. But now number three, instead of asking for the sorry, the consequence comes into it. So you tell them that, well, now because you didn't, whatever they did wrong, you are going to have a consequence Okay, and you have to implement that consequence straight away. So if that's timeout, it's timeout. Then what do we do? Number four, when timeout would finish or when the consequence, whatever it was, was over, I would ask them, like say you might say, I'm going to take that toy away for five minutes. Okay, so then when you go to either take them out of timeout or give them their toy back or whatever it is, ask them, what did you do that was wrong? So get them to acknowledge it if they're old enough, if they're not, just remind them, mommy put you in timeout because, but as they start to get older, get them to verbalize, you know, why they were put in timeout. And then it, and then you continue with the rest of the ones I taught you before, which was you ask them for a sorry, you forgive them, and then you instruct them again on what you want. If they disobey again, you follow that exact process again and again and again, deal immediately, tell them what they did wrong, implement the consequence. Um, Number four, ask them what they did wrong or tell them if they're too young, get them to say sorry and re-instruct them on what you expect. All right. So let's give a few examples. Um, So I asked Liam to pack up his toys. Poor Liam, I'm picking on Liam today. And he hasn't obeyed first time or second time. So I tell him what he did wrong. Liam, I asked you to pack up your toys and you have sat there and you've disobeyed me twice. I asked you to pack up straight away. You didn't obey me the first time. So now there's going to be a consequence. Now you're going to go to your bedroom for five minutes. I'm going to put the timer on. I expect you to sit on your bed and not get off. And when the time is up, I will come and get you. And then I literally go put him on his bed I go to the microwave uh, and I put the timer on. Now, how does he stay on his bed? Because every time he gets off of that bed, I start the timer again. And do you know what? For willful children, you might need to do that 10 times, 20 times. I don't know. But it's something that we have to do. Otherwise, the child is uh, having their way. Then I would wait for the time to be up. My kids could hear the microwave go off. And I would go back in and I would say, all right, why did I put you in your room? All right, I'd like a sorry. You need to say sorry to mum. And what should you have done? All right, and then I love them. That's okay. And then I re-instruct them again. This time I'd like you to go outside and pack up your toys straight away. Now, if 
he goes out and he doesn't obey me again and again, he doesn't pack up straight away, that whole process starts again. And he goes into timeout. You didn't do what I said. You're going to have a consequence. In his room, he goes for five minutes if he's five or six minutes if he's six. All right. So I mentioned at the end of last week that some children will adapt to this process much quicker than others. So Georgia was so obedient. She was obedient very quickly, and it was really easy to teach her. But don't fall in the trap of using your child's personality as an excuse for your lack of resolve to follow through. So, you know, Liam was way more difficult. Now, I'm talking like, help me, Jesus. Where did this child come from? He was unbelievably willful and disobedient. But don't fall into the trap of, oh, my child has lots of spirit or my child just has lots of energy. It's just his personality. No, you're the parent and your job is to shape your child's heart and personality. And it's not actually fair to expect one child to obey the first time because they're easy and they're compliant. And then the next sibling doesn't obey first time, but because they're more willful and actually you don't know how to get them to obey, you let them get away with it and then blame their personality. Okay. So I've had people write into me and say that, oh my, you know, so-and-so, this child's really easy, but this one's so difficult. I'm like, well, no, you can't use their personality as an excuse. Remember you're the parent. So I'm going to tell you a story, true story. This happened too many times than I care to remember because I want you to know that I understand the struggle. Uh, You know, if I had three perfectly easy children, I probably don't know that I would feel um, equipped, I guess, to be talking about first-time obedience because I would think, oh, gee, maybe I was lucky I just had three easy kids, but I didn't. But one particular day, I told Liam to stay in his bed because it was sleep time and it wasn't wake-up time yet. And he was very young. He was under two. But he kept getting out of, he got out of bed, so I put him back and I went through that process above, all right? I told him um, what he did wrong and this is what mummy wants. And by the way, you might go, are you kidding me? You didn't let your child just wake up. Well, no, because I was also sleep training him because I know that he needed a certain number of hours of sleep during the day. Another whole podcast. But so that was one of our values. I was like, no, I want to teach him to have good naps in the day because he needs it. I kid you not. Altogether that day, he got out of his bed 14 times, 14 times, and I put him back every single time. And Cameron was away. He was actually overseas at the time. So this was just, I was on my own. And I I honestly, I promise you by the end, not only was he crying, but I was crying as well. And it would have been way easier to give up and let him have his way. But I understood that first time obedience was about shaping his moral heart. And that if I couldn't get him to obey me at two, how could I expect him to obey me at 12? And like I tell you, he's now six foot three and 17 and still just so easy. He's so respectful but he had to learn that I was the mom, I was the boss, and he needed to do what I said. He doesn't know better than me. Parents, they don't know better than you, your children. You're the adult, okay? Um, I wanted to raise a child that had self-control and that wasn't controlled by his own passions and impulses and whims and wants who wouldn't grow up. I didn't want him to grow up to demand that everyone else work around everything that he wanted 
or that he always came first despite other people. So I could see the end goal. I could see the man that I wanted him to be when he was two. And that's why I spent half my day putting him back in bed, teaching him I'm the mummy and you're going to do what mummy says. So this one was a bit longer today, but I felt like this was really needed. Um, This is the basic process of teaching first-time obedience, and you might need to go back and listen to this again and again if you have to, Uh, but I am cheering for you. You, You've got this. You can do this. Uh, Some of you, it might be a big untangling of a web. You know, it might have been years have gone by that your child has learned not to obey you. And so you've got a very big web to untangle. Um, You know, I had a few mums write in to me about how exasperated they are because they know that they've allowed disobedience for so long that their child is literally out of control. But give yourself time because I promise you this does work. And you know, for some of you, you actually might need to decide I'm staying home for a week. It's like when you toilet train and you're like, I'm blocking out the week and staying home and teaching toilet training. Some of you might need to actually block out the week and stay home and really work on first time obedience, particularly if you've got a child who's out of control. So let me finish with the four steps again. So remember, how do we implement it? The four steps to implement, set out the expectations of what's going to happen and what you want verbally. Give them a time warning if need be, expect a yes, mum, and then praise them when they obey. Remember, what do we do for the first little, like if they disobey once, you deal immediately, you tell them what they did wrong, you ask for a sorry, and then you repeat the instructions above. What if they go on to third, fourth, fifth time disobedience? We just add in the consequence. So you deal immediately, tell them what they did wrong, implement the consequence, Then go back in, ask for a sorry, and repeat your instruction. All right. So you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And uh, please write in to me. Um, I've actually spent quite a bit of time this week just individually responding to messages of people that are, you know, really kind of beside themselves. Um, And so I love having chats with you guys. So please write in, let me know how you're going. Let me know if I can help you in any way, um, because we we are in this together. And um, it's so amazing that you're listening, really. I, I honestly commend you. And I promise you, that this does work and and the long-term rewards are absolutely amazing. So, So be encouraged. And I know that the days feel long, but the years truly are short. All right. I love you guys and uh, come back on Wednesday. I'm starting a whole series, a collection uh, on how to run and grow a fabulous youth ministry. So that's our leadership podcast on Wednesday. So I'll see you then. Have a great week. Bye. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.